Welcome back, Beers Watch Podcast, episode 298, Charlotte's number one podcast recording in the basement, back again to break down season one, episode four, House of the Dragon, King of the Narrow Sea. We're going four wide, but five people total, because we got two in one box. We'll start with Cam, he was the first one here. Cam, how you doing? Oh, he's getting to the mute button. There he is. There he is. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I'm actually doing pretty good today. Uh, long day of work, but uh, glad to be with you fine people and to discuss some Thrones, even though we might as well consider this the horniest episode of Game of Thrones. Oh, it's, I mean, it's crazy. It, it's funny. I was texting Alex to see if he wanted to join, and he said, oh, I can't. I'm working. He's, at, he's out in California, so he's three hours behind us. But he made the statement that, yeah, it was great. My uh, parents were in town, and we decided to watch the episode. And he was like, that was the worst idea. I said, I literally said that after when Rainier and Kristen were finishing their business. I was like, this is those episodes like you would not want to watch with your parents whatsoever. That would just scar you like, oh, I'll catch this some other time. Maybe the worst to watch with the parents. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Cam, Cam, where can you be found on the socials if you want to be found? If you would like to find me, you can find me at All Out of Favors on both Instagram and Twitter. All right, and we'll go next with Travis. I think the last time you saw Travis was uh, our April NFL Draft Reacts video. Good stuff there. So, Travis, man, how you doing? I've been doing good, Jacob. Uh, thanks for having me on. I've been getting settled in here in Raleigh. So I've been back in the great state of North Carolina for three months now. So that's all very Nice. Nice. How's uh, Riley treating you? Man, it's good. I'm still figuring it out. I uh, just came back from Taco Spot, a new Taco Spot downtown to try out for Taco Tuesday. Nice. All right. Well, where, Travis, where can you be found on the socials if you want to be found? So, Instagram at Travi the Savvy. Uh, that's probably good enough. <laughs> All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. All right. And uh, in a double, well, not really double box, but two in one box, we got Rebecca and Cheeks all the way coming from Texas. Who would like to start first? Rebecca, how you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, happy to be here. As always, always fun to hang out with you guys. I didn't know you were watching along with Cheeks, so of course you're always welcome to jump in on the pod. So good to have a different perspective here. Especially on an episode that was directed by a woman. So here we go. We're ready to rock. So Cheeks, how you doing? Pretty good, man. Just uh, enjoying an afternoon off of work. The last three weeks have been... A, a movie, to, to say the least. Okay. Uh, but it's nice to finally jump on here, talk about the, the new House of Dragons yeah. episode. So uh, where can we find you guys on socials if you want to be found? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, I am the maestro. Um, Facebook just my name. All right. I don't really use it like that, but... <laughs> All right, Rebecca, what about you? Um, well, I got a Twitter. I don't really use it, um, but you guys like to, to be on there, so maybe yep. I'll, I'll get there one day. I made one. That's that's the important part, so just building that up. Um, and it's Rebecca uh, Med. Okay. All right, and for me, JRO Nation, Twitter and Instagram, the Beards Watch podcast on Facebook, and then obviously find our podcast wherever you want to listen to podcasts. And, of course, hit our YouTube up. We got reaction videos to the latest episode as we're watching them and then Panthers games have started so we had the heartbreaker final kick at the end which Browns fans are just destroying us in the comment section but 
I'm going to let them have their little bitty win now because they've been suffering for a long, long time. I mean, first win in like 20 years on the home opener, so okay, they can have that one, but we'll keep it moving, so subscribe to our YouTube. But let's get into the episode. Cam already started off. I mean, it was halfway through. It was just a horny episode, but it was different than the other episodes we'd seen from Game of Thrones, like we know of Game of Thrones, where it was just tits and ass and then recently dicks all in your face. Now it was like some subliminal, but kind of in the background, and then just the teasing part. But before we all get to that, we start off with Rainier sitting. It looks like she's in a, the Baratheon stronghold, kind of getting, uh, what, courted by all these these men and stuff. And then, you know, they have a little quick little battle. So how do we think we liked how this thing started off? Um, I thought it was, you know, I, I feel a certain kind of way about it, you know. Uh, times have changed, obviously. Uh, good for her for not, for knowing her worth, um, I think is important. And really just shutting everyone down um, from the older guy and then for that little boy that came up. Um, that was a fun little twist, I think, that they did there. Oh, I mean, the, the little boy <laughs> basically getting trash-talked and then just ending my man's life was an all-time, <laughs> you know, I think that meme where it says, like, you pussy or whatever what it is that, that people been using. Like, I mean, he just went all in. Like, he got pushed down, if you look in the background, and then he gets up, and all of a sudden he just goes and gives him a, a, a sword right through the stomach. So, yeah, definitely a, a classic little opener there. But also... To me, it leads off of just showing how men are now willing to die just to marry her. So that's a pretty wild part to it as well. And they don't even really know her, but my man was, re- you know, took his life. So easy word. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Also, uh, most of their pitches included uh, how they can protect her, and I'm like, oh, she don't really need protection from you. Like, I think she got whatever she needs to have. Right? Yeah. That's very true. That's very true. Travis? I thought it was pretty interesting because we had another time jump there. It seems like every episode we're jumping forward in time. So I think later on in the episode, they talk about how she's been gone for two months trying to find a, a suitor. Yeah. And it's obviously you can tell wearing on her because she just cuts it off right there when they start brawling over. <laughs> her and yeah. And then, like I said, then we hit the... the and it's, it's funny, too, because now we've seen two child up like offering themselves up to an older person we saw it in the episode what one or two when Viserys gets it by Lena or whatever and then now we're seeing in this one the in the, the Blackwater kid or whatever it's always wild to think of the different lineages I can't I think Blackwater was one of the one was that no that's House Frey that's living kind of in the Blackwater or wherever it was but yeah I mean just overalls done and then my man stabs it but then jumping to the the boat scene is that anything I've done known with these reaction videos? If you leave out any scenes from when the dragons is in, people roast you. So I thought it was interesting. And and while uh, I had to keep remembering that she hadn't seen Damon in what like yeah three to four years now, because she says it in the previous episode she hadn't seen him in that under the tent or whatever. And then so the first thing she sees is him kind of nudging her boat and saying, "Hey, I'm back. Let's see what's let's see, let's get this thing cracking." And cracking in gut. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, then we, we go into him walking down and kind of, I don't know, if did anybody else watch the the breakdown of it post-episode that they do on HBO Max? Uh, yeah, for sure. 
yeah, the behind the show kind of thing. Like the, they, it's like a six minute post. They basically said uh-huh. Damon came back. You thought he was a changed man, but he really was just there to fuck with his brother. Mm, well, he did. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't really give him the benefit of the doubt with it. Like as soon as he walked in, just the way that he walked into the room was kind of. I mean, yeah, like a little swagger to walk with it. I'm actually watching it right now. Um, and like you can tell, like I guess in my personal opinion, like I saw him walking through, and I was like, nah, he's not really a change man. Especially, uh, you know, he gets down, he makes his proclamation that you know his brother is the true king, but he just has the he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt from me anymore. Yeah, and 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 the looks were still there, right? Like he's been kind of looking at Rhaenyra, and we know how the House of Targaryens kind of roll with sleeping with each other or cousins or whatever. But then it was finally like, okay, she's of age, so he's making a move at some point. And it was his his sole purpose there was to try to just piss his brother off and get with Rhaenyra, and then, you know, he, he succeeded that and we can we can kinda of dive into it when it hits it, but definitely a, a wild interaction there with them seeing each other. And again, I kept, had to keep reminding myself like it'd been four, you know, three to four years. So she was waiting to see him too. It does seem rather calculated. Yeah. I think it was just a, a power move anyway. He had the, the crown on. Like, he knew from the get-go, like, his brother was going to say something. And so, regardless if he was a change man, like, he had intention. It was very clear from as soon as they put him in the frame. Like, he yeah. was there to ruffle some feathers. Always is. He's, all, he's a chaos guy. This one was like a gradual chaos where he didn't come in like swinging but it, it it led to it but he tried to stay calm you know drops the uh the crab feeders i guess crucifixion tool or weapon of choice and says <laughs> add it to you know it says add it to the throne and you know then kind of like he says tries to to get just kind of get on his brother's side he kind of succeeds his brother thinks he's a changed man offers oh. him over they go and party and then allison asks if he wants to see the tapestry and then the king just roasts allison like what are you talking about? This man doesn't want to see any tapestry. I'm gonna be honest, that might have been my favorite scene in the entire show. All he does. Well, it is and it is interesting how and even near the later later in the episode, Allison gives him a glass of wine after they find out about the Rhaenyra Damon scenario. It is, we've talked about it before, it's very reminiscent of Robert Baratheon in that season one of Game of Thrones where that man was stayed on the sauce. Viserys kind of, episode one of this season, he wasn't really hitting the wine that much, but now, ever since his wife died, he has gone, I mean, he. it seems like he's got a cup in every single scene, almost every single scene he's in, so they're kind of making the point that it's going to end bad for this guy. Yeah. I feel like Ben and Robert Baratheon have a lot of uh, connections. Like, they're both gregarious, like, drinkers who avoid, like, the direct problems in front of them for yeah. the realm. And just, like, because they're not wanting to lead so much. They're forced into the responsibility rather than, like, wanting it necessarily. Yeah, yeah that, that's it's very reminiscent of both of those. Though I think Robert was more of the warrior since he led the rebellion. Viserys is more there because he just kind of, his family's got dragons and no one's there. But in that scene, too, with Otto kind of, Otto seems like he's peeking around the corner trying to figure things out. He seems generally caught off guard that Damon came in and 
is like kneeling and everything, you know, and then we, we, we can get to Otto later on, but it was just a wild scene there of seeing it. It seemed like Otto was, was kind of backpedaling, didn't know what to do, and he ends up screwing himself over in the end of the episode. But, yeah, overall, like I said, this is the classic setup episode. We got a wedding next one, so we know shit's about to pop off because weddings never go as planned in Game of Thrones. But this, the other scene on top of the tapestry scene, I thought, was when when uh, Rhaenyra drops the I just don't want to push out airs and marry some old king thing right in Allison's face. Like, they were back just, I mean, they they just, they fade each other back and forth and just keep keep it moving. The easiest slight. Like, it's, <laughs> I mean, like she kind of plays it off as she's like, oh, like, I didn't really mean to strike you there, but, like, ah, I don't know if I can get down with that. But, like, yeah. it's, it's almost too, like, obvious of a strike. But she, and this thing, she didn't even say sorry. She just kind of, like, let it be, and then like looked at her and was like, "No, nah, I'm just spitting facts for me." And like, and then like, and then like grabbed her hand, and it was like, "All right, well, how how pissed was my dad about you know me leaving this uh, courtship thing earlier?" So, even though they seem to be more friendly, even though the years have gone by and it's, it's grown bitter a little bit, they still have those little jabs, like they are sister sisters in essence, even though that's her stepmom. And the same thing with Damon and his brother. You know, we they hate each other, but they still hang out, love drinking with each other, crack jokes at their wives, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, overall, I just that one that to me was just one of the killer salons, just right in her face. Which after we had the previous episode where Allison said giving birth was easy and it took no time at all, right in front of Rhaenyra where her mom died, like in childbirth, and had like five other stillborns, and dad lost it. So. Again, they, they've been trading barbs. I'm interested to see how this bubbles up and, and eventually blows up because King's death is coming and, and all that good stuff. But anybody else have any thoughts on those ones? I think it's just a, a true reflection of, like, both of them are very lonely. Like, she doesn't like being married to the king, her dad. And then, you know, obviously she, her one friend is gone. So that's where the back and forth comes from. But then... At the end of the day, they still only have each other, and so that's where you get those kinder moments. But then it just flips back. You know, I don't like you. We're not friends. Yeah, so, yeah I, I think that's a good point. Talking about they don't have friends. I mean, you know, Rainier's got well, Kristen Cole. That's more of a protector, and then they get a little more friendlier near the end of the episode. But yeah, Allison, and we've seen it throughout Game of Thrones, and everyone talks about it. When you're at the top, it's lonely at the top. Because you really don't know who's there for you or who's just there to use you to get their prerogative or their thing done. And Allison, like you said, I mean, a 17-year-old or 18-year-old married off to a 47-year-old man. I mean, and all she had, her mom's dead. Her dad's just scheming behind her. She really has nobody. And then when she married her best friend's pops, it really severed that. So it would be tough. And then almost, like I said, similar to Cersei, where Cersei just, she was a bitch to begin with. But... As you get lonelier and lonelier, you just you back a wolf into a corner. Eventually, they're gonna bite you. So we'll see how it, how it all plays out. But yeah, I mean, and then we go. What's what's the next scene? Is then Rhaenyra and Damon kind of talking in Valyrian, and then back and forth, and you know, kind of Damon's little pitch of, and you can still see the apple in each other's eye where they kind of like each other, maybe a little bit more, but they don't want to mess around. Um, but nothing too crazy in that scene. I don't <laughs> think so. I thought his bar about uh marriage be a um simply a political arrangement <laughs> and after that it's you know you can kind of do whatever you want 
And obviously she retorts back with like, yo, you're a dude. You can do that, but I can't. Like, I think, honestly, the whole episode is kind of framed by that one uh, statement there. Yeah. And, and, and you saying that, Cam, like, we'll get to it further in the episode, but I wonder, there's a lot of conflicting motivations for uh, Damon for, like, why he may want to marry her and why he did the things he did to, like, make it public, as it were. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and we should have, I mean, they said it right up there, like you said, Cam, with the conflicting thing, and even Rainier says it later to her dad. You know, I could father five bastards if I was a man and not blink an eye. I mean, Robert Baratheon did it, and it didn't. No one really gave a shit. And he had like twenty of them motherfuckers out that thing. But she, she goes and has one little romp in the old maybe the whorehouse drinking. Didn't really have sex, but then end up no one really knows besides Kristen of the other shenanigans. And now it's like she's untouchable. Can't even be like married without being like disrespectful or anything. And that is a wild double-edged sword there, where it just seems the double standard. I guess is. It's tough to be a woman in this kind of era that their time they're basing it off of. It's still yeah. hard to be a woman now. Let's not <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> so, right now. Hey, like, some of us choose to live in Texas and others don't. I'm not, you know, you guys is out there living, y'all out there living in the olden times out there in Texas. You got to watch out what you're doing. So, you know. <laughs> but I, I think another big part of this episode is how, like, everything is transactional. And, uh, like, you kind of see it with, with, with what's coming up next with uh, Damon and his niece and then uh, the king and, and his wife. Because I think this is, like, this was just a great, like, film mm-hmm. parts of it. Yep. When you have two sex scenes going on at the same time, and they're both transactional. Like, yes. there's, there, there's motives behind each, but they're so different. Like, Damon's portraying this, like, uh, you can have enjoyment, but there's still a purpose while we're doing this. Mm-hmm. The purpose is bigger than just the physical, versus when the king and, uh, I'm still bad with, with, Allison. with the names. Allison. When they're doing their stuff, like, they don't even sleep in the same room. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah. hey, the king wants you. And she just looks like she's having the worst time of her life. <laughs> so, so to get to that, do we think she was making a little uh, Plan B mixture? Because we saw it at the end of the episode. But when she's making that tea, she's pouring something over some like herbs and stuff. And I was thinking she was just kind of making something like she knew it was coming. Man's been drinking all day. I, you know, I can't really. So let me just take this tea. I mean, talk about bars, Cam. When the when the waitress when the lady we've been. A lot of messengers just getting shit on because the lady comes in and, and, and the lady's like, hey, the king requests your presence. And she's like, yeah, it's a little late. And then she's just like, hey, I just I, let me give you a little bow and I'm out of here. This ain't my business. Like, I know it's going to suck for you. Uh, and that overhead shot of his back. I mean, man's days are numbered. Uh, I mean, it's it's rough. But I do. Yeah, because, I mean, we can jump to that scene because the next one is just uh, the breakdown of them in the in the council talking about how the sea snakes got a, is going to marry off somebody. So that kind of starts the chain of events of Renee are going to have to make a move. And I think maybe that helps her kind of also cut loose. This is her last chance almost to start cutting loose because she knows she's going to have to make a decision. But, yes, that cutting scene, I mean, we go to the what? The little play, which I thought was like a, an ode back to where we saw those plays they would always do in Game of Thrones 
when something was coming on to show them how the people actually see you. Uh, yeah. And that, I mean, a good little juxtaposition there. But yeah, going to the sex scenes there, back and forth, transactional, and that's kind of what it all is. As you said, Cheeks, you know, then she's got to make a move, and that's it. I got to have sex with that. But to get to the Damon part, I think from what they said at the end, or at the end one of the directors was, he was all about it, because obviously as we talked about, he was there to, to piss off his brother. He was more so about her, he wanted to take something from her. But then when she was cool with it, and she was like, no, I'm about it too, that's when he was like, well, damn, this isn't any fun anymore, because I want to do something to piss you off and take it from you, but you're okay about giving it, and that's when he kind of <clears throat> went off. Yeah, so, it's kind of like I'm all this. Yeah. I want to comment on that because that's one thing I didn't realize until I, I saw it in after the episode, I think. Yeah. They talk about Damon running off is supposed to be insinuated in the show that he, like, couldn't get it up. Yeah. So he, like, ran off. Yeah. And I thought he was being more deceitful than that just, like, because obviously she's taking her out in public because he takes her beanie off. Yeah. And everything. So there's other motives there than just getting it on with his niece. Uh, which I think is re- <clears throat> yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's funny. Yeah, I, it is funny you say that because that's what it it led to. Because earlier, what, a couple episodes before, when he was with the the whore lady, his side piece, he couldn't finish as well. So at first, it was like, oh, can he just not finish? But it seems like he can only really get off or get up when it's just something like. Like, he doesn't, they don't necessarily want it, right? Like, he's more so just going to go, like, he's got a weird sexual kind of fantasy there, and that's where he couldn't, he realized, oh, I don't want this anymore because she actually wants this. So, and then it just leaves her, yeah, with her pants down standing there, like, what the hell is this? And let's also realize that she had never really experienced any of that stuff. So, well, that's got to be just a wild walkthrough to go to, like, one of the biggest, <coughs> darkest, deepest whorehouses doing every which way a thing. I mean, you saw everything in that in that couple seconds of back and forth. Whew. Mm-hmm. And I know Cam tweeted and, it, and there was no AC in there. I know that had some funky smells. Had to be crazy in there. No no AC <laughs> yeah. olden times? No doves? What yeah. are we doing? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, ooh. And it was funny. She said in that after show, Travis, that you were mentioning, she was like, it's funny. Uh, the Rhaenyra actress was like, it's funny to say this, but – the uh, the prep for those scenes, walking through because everyone's naked, she was like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it was actually like a an interesting, odd, fun experience now because everyone was so... Obviously, they get the best of the best now, making sure everyone's got the, the... What's the companion actors there that help you out or that you can talk to and all that kind of stuff, but... Yeah, yeah I mean, overall, just the back and forth between the Allison just laying there, just taking it as she can, and then you got the passion... Sets up, mm-hmm. I think, some shenanigans later on in the season. What I thought was the most interesting part, I guess, about the entire aesthetic scenes, uh, kind of speaking to what Cheeks was talking about as it flashes back and forth, is one thing that Allison and uh, Rhaenyra kind of speak to each other about is uh, at one point they're talking about how lucky, you know, Rhaenyra is to, you know, be able to choose who her suitor is. And <clears throat> it's just really interesting to the back and forth, I guess the dichotomy of it of where Rhaenyra is getting to experience this and the way that she, you know, wants to, and she gets to make these decisions for herself. Whereas Allison's just kind of laying there and kind of having to deal, you know, it kind of just reflects into their actual situations that are 
going on beyond yeah. not just like sex, but like how their courtships are. Yeah. Whereas you know one gets some autonomy over the thing or over things, and the other really is just like you were kind of groomed for this entire experience. Yeah, I mean it, it plays off of both their pops too. Like Otto was pushing her to go in there. She he didn't have to push her to like go visit the king right after the wife died to set it up, right? He she could he, he could have told her just to go to the library, read, work on other things. But now she's obviously queen and she's yeah, all her youthful shenanigan gear is gone. Like she's just there. Now she gotta have sex with a sixty year old. While Rhaenyra's out there at least being able to have some fun, I think you brought up a good point. Like it's almost like when you got to go off to college and, and then the friends that didn't, they get to see you partying, at least having a good time regardless of what your grades are doing while they just get to sit at the home because they want to take that gap year and they're working at the Hardee's trying to figure out what they want to do, but you know they can't really have the fun that you're having or they chose a different yeah. path. So, What do you think, Rebecca? Um... I mean, I think I just agree, like, from the get-go, both of them, right? I feel like there's probably, there's obviously jealousy, but if you if you parallel them, like, she shouldn't get the, you know, she's a princess, she should get told who she's going to, hello, <laughs> <laughs> who she's going to marry, but her dad has given her the opportunity, like, fine, you're going to have to marry, but at least you're going to get to pick, yeah. versus, you know, they have the same fate, but it's still a little bit different. And so I think that adds, like, another level of, like, dang, she still gets to pick. Like, she wasn't supposed to, and she gets to pick. She wasn't supposed to, you know, be the heir to the throne, but she is. And so, like, why does all that get to happen to her? And, like, here I am stuck. Like, I lost my friend. Uh, my dad is using me. Uh, I have to pick between my best friend and my son because she also has all that pressure to, you know, make her son the air, which I'm sure that will come in this next episode, how that plays out. But I think there's just a lot that she has going on, and it's it's going to come to a head soon. So. Yeah, and I mean, especially with she's going to be, it looks like the last one of her family at the castle because her dad, I think, is going to go back to the crib once he gets kind of banished, to, you know, out of the king. But yeah, I think also going back to it, I think it's wild that Damon tells basically showing Rhaenyra that play that like hey look a Aemon should be, or Aegon should be king so like even she's thinking her most trusted uncle would be cool with her being queen or whatever heir to the throne everybody knows that hey it's not gonna happen I mean we know it's not gonna happen Daenerys tried it failed everyone female wise has tried and failed but they keep trying and she's still gonna try her best but we know how it's all gonna end up is somebody's son's gonna end up taking it all one of the things that I think is interesting about that scene and his motivation as to why he took her to that play and what that means is it's interesting to see Rhaenyra, who has this belief of herself that she'd be a great queen and that the people love her and all that. And then as she's seeing this, she's like, wait, well, no, this is slander or whatever. And I think it's more Damon nudging her to say if she wants it, she's mm. going to have to like take it because that's very reflective ah. of how Damon addresses his needs and desires as he takes them, like you were mm. talking about. Things that you know get his rocks off and arouse yeah. him. Taking <laughs> things. Um, you can see the gold cloaks in episode one, or the way that they have the resolution with crab feeder. Like those things are, I think, very consistent. And I think that might be 
some allusion to that. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Really good point. Yeah. 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 Which, in taking it, and yeah, what is, what in essence was she going to have to do to take it? Because she's got the dragon, but I think her dad makes a good point near the end of the episode. is like, to keep the family strong, you have to have heirs. And though she doesn't want to have kids, I think by the end of this episode, she realizes... I'm going to have to at least have kids to keep the family strong because if not, then it's just, you know, it's just now it's going to be my dad's kids and that's that's really about it. Left. Or my stepkids are, I guess, half-brothers and sisters, however you dice that one up. Yeah. I think she kind of comes to the conclusion, I guess, towards the end that uh, her own self-interest uh, as far as what she wants to do as far as being the heir and what is quote-unquote good for the realm at some point are going to have to overlap and i think that's kind of where the level of comfortability with okay i guess i do have to you know fulfill my duties um to you know the realm yeah and i think i almost looked at it as like a once she got jiggy with it with kristen and got all all her stuff off it was kind of like hey I've had my fun, now it's time to grow up, and they had to put it in such just a one-tight episode, you know what I mean? Since we're going to, I think this upcoming episode is the last one she's going to be in before we switch to the the other uh, actresses. So it was kind of like, all right, I had my fun, you know, you partied at college for four years or however long it took you, now you got to go get a real job. And she realizes in that battle back and forth with her dad, all right, cool, I've done this suitor thing, yeah, like Rebecca said, you gave me a choice, she still ends up being forced, but... I mean, what other choice would it would have made it best besides that? Like, if she was even... I think we talked about last episode how immature she handled a lot of things. This one, though she kind of got lost a little bit in the doldrums of the biggest whorehouse we've seen, by the end of it, she's making those political moves and making those political stances of, all right, I'll do this, I've had my fun, what's going to make this house stronger? And then I also think... That conversation with her dad, like, that was like, I guess, like, like you said, like the light bulbs going off in her head. And at that point, you know, that they're both just having like real honest conversations about everything that's going on. And I think her dad started to take her serious once she's like, oh yeah, Otto's, Otto is is uh, playing you, like, look. And then uh, once he, like, realizes that was the first time I felt that he was actually being the king. Yeah, and listening. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And to even get that, now, before we delve into that one, do we think Damon set this whole thing up with that little tattletale boy and his old whore? Okay, so I got some comments on that. Okay. Um, So I think that is a really interesting part of the episode. Because you see the little tattletale boy go tell Otto, and then in that subsequent scene, you see that boy come pay Missaria. Yep. But then information that gets received is not that you know Damon and Rhaenyra were making out or whatever in, in the doldrums of the largest whorehouse we've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was that they they coupled that yeah. they actually like sealed that deal, and so that piece of information I think is very important. And I wonder if, if you think of timing, um, Damon essentially left Masaria to go fight that 
battle in the Stepstones. Yep. And and she now appears to be what is like a pseudo master of whispers for Otto. So I think Missaria and Otto may have some kind of agenda together yeah. in some way, which yeah. I think is very interesting because it also seems to counteract because it's also discrediting Damon to outright say that they were that they hooked up. Yeah. And to even counter that too, Damon didn't deny that they had sex. He requested when he sees the king later, he requests to marry. He's like, Marry marry her off to me, kind of thing like that. But yeah, I at first I thought it was more of her just setting up. Some people have said, Well, did he set it up? But then he just seemed like he was like drugged. Like my man's was like when he woke up, he was still dropping his cup, like almost like he was set up post. To where maybe he was setting it up, but then it got worse to where, I don't know, I'm still trying to figure it out. I definitely think, yeah, because she's back, she must have left Dragonstone when he went to fight and came back here to make another business and must be working for Otto in some capacity. Yeah, it's almost my idea that, like, theoretically, Damon could have wanted to take her out there and actually seal the deal with her. And if it's in public like that and it's known and she's, you know, spoiled for yeah. all the lord. That be his end to say, you know, let me marry Rhaenyra. Yeah. And we'll go off and restore our family to glory. And it kind of consolidates the claims and all of that as well. So, like, maybe that was his plan. It's hard to know at this point, but it's a really interesting piece of the episode. Yes. Especially yes. if his kind of recurring theme is that, like, that just doesn't matter in the grand scheme because we're the Targaryens and we just run shit. Like, what we do shifted typically matter at the end of the day because everyone's going to end up obeying us regardless. Yeah, I agree. Now, I just want to scooch back a little bit because it just reminded me of that very ending scene before Rhaenyra comes back to get with Kristen. I don't know, did y'all see the rat throughout the episode that kept popping yeah, up? Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, so as she just gets done having sex with old King and she's laying there, mind you, she's picking her fingers again. She hadn't been picking her fingers in the last couple episodes, but she did it in the first couple. So that she's that's her anxiety thing, but there's that rat on the top of the of the bed frame. I don't know if that's just showing some foreshadowing of different saying different secrets or if they're going to use that somehow also to to speed up his you know, whatever kind of disease he's got going on or something, but I thought it was interesting they kept showing the rat every time she was around like she's going to have some information. But also we got to talk about, we talked about the brothel. My man Kristen taking his armor off. I mean, I, I, that that had to I be. Literally, I literally told Oz and I was like, that must suck to have to take off. I mean, the moment, the moment had to be gone. Yeah, yeah. Like, by the time she does the hide and seek with the helmet, and then by the time it finally gets there, I mean, that was one of the longest four-play scenes I think I've ever seen in a Game of Thrones series. And, I mean, they they pulled, they showed the boots getting unlaced. Like, good The lacing on the shoes were the worst. Like, I thought the armor was, like, okay. But then they're both sitting there, like, untying their shoes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was unreal. It was absolutely unreal. And I did think it was uh, how far Game of, Thro Game of Thrones has come. You know, if that was season one, two, or three, we're seeing air buys everything, at least for the female. And in this one, I thought they did a good job of, you know, we still know what's going on, Every even though every body part's pretty much covered. Every, you know, inside body part kind of thing, uh, sensual body part's covered. 
and still get the point across. Though we did see my man's butt cheeks through some gates at the very end, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, just that whole scene was just, I thought it was just wildly long. But I guess to me, it was ending her innocence first time. Well, I guess half time, first and a half time, because Damon kind of just a weird foreplay on his part in the brothel. And then she, I guess she needed to, you know, finish it off for the evening. But, yeah, taking off the armor and just having to deal with that seems like... And I just don't know how no anyone walked by and didn't see he wasn't there. And I really thought someone was going to bust in and it was going to be a raps for Mans for a little bit. I thought it was funny that <laughs> after here, yes. the armor coming off, like, there's no <laughs> I mean, they, they tried to, like, lay things down softly. But it's like, yo, like... <laughs> <laughs> also, Arvanir is a quick learner here uh, for a virgin who's been to a uh, whorehouse for 15 minutes. Uh, she kind of put some moves out here. Yeah. I was like, it's her first time? Hey, they made sure to show you every little bit of sexual favor so they could at least pass that that was her first time. But the face man's gives when she comes back through the front door too. He's like, "Wait a second, how the hell did you get out of here? Like, you gonna call?" <laughs> I really thought it was gonna cost him his life. I mean, I, I had a feeling he was gonna make it farther in the show, and he is. But I was just like, "Man, it, he, she put his life on the line multiple times in this at the very end of this episode." And I'm interested to see how that all plays out with with, with going forward. But yeah, just yeah, for her first time, she was all it was. It was a lot more moves than I think any of us can remember when our first time yeah, came about she, in life. She took some notes in that uh, world. Yeah. <laughs> it's an educational trip. That's right. It was Phlebas. Fifth grade Phlebas, man. That's what it was. So, but then, yeah. So, back to where we, like, with Damon. I think, like, Travis brought up a good point. Him coming at the same, coming at that time and then relaying the information that they had sex or she's spoiled, or whatever it may be. Though the scene with Otto having to tell the king, like, everyone's been there where it's like, I seen my friend cheat, or I saw my friend's girl cheat, I really don't want to tell him to be the middleman, because it is going to be bad on me. And even though you know he's been spying, and it was his ultimate demise, because finally Rhaenyra and the king realized, his cheeks brought up like, they had some real talk, like, yo, this man's been kind of fucking with us for a couple years, and for many years now. But for that information to come out and try to, I think you're right, Travis, he was trying to, if she, if he banishes her, if Viserys banishes her, then Damon can just scoop her up and they're good to go, you know? So him not banishing her away keeps it, keeps her still in play and he can, you know, marry her off to whoever they choose. I thought it was kind of funny. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think in that scene where Otto and Viserys are sharing that information, I was a little surprised by how Viserys reacted because um, he was very resolute in his defense of Rhaenyra and, and questioning Otto, which you haven't seen yeah. that that level of like certainty in his actions in a lot of ways. So that was a that was a huge support of Rhaenyra in that scene. And I, you know, it's one of the few times you see Viserys act so certainly. Yeah, especially with the previous episode where he like scolds her in public inside that tent for the and for the hunt and the name day. And then for her, yeah, for him to, like, laugh it off and be like, what is this? Like, and they even say, like, how, you know, what is it? Like, are you so scorned for power that you have to make up, you know, believe everything you say or send spies out and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it was a good back it up. Finally showing, like, they have some unity because it seems like they're splitting up so much, but he did have her back there. 
I don't also like for Otto, why why wouldn't the play be like, oh, I didn't hear anything. What yeah. she did what because if one person knows, like somebody else is gonna talk. Mm-hmm. At some point, it, like it would get back. Yeah, I think and, that yeah, like why have it come from me? Yeah, and yeah. Now I'm compromising my whole elaborate ruse when there's other ways where I can get this information to him and kind of maintain my uh, anonymity and all of it. Yeah. I think he just got cocky. I mean. If- mm. At this point, like, he says something, boom, it happens. He tells his daughter, go do this, it happens. Like, oh. And so I think he just got cocky and was like, oh, I'm going to tell him because he trusts everything that I'm saying. And then it backfired on him and he didn't know what to do because he was just so caught off guard with everything that was happening. Because he he went in there thinking that, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to slander her name. You know, then he's going to pick my grandson. But then it just went the other way. And he was not prepared. Yeah. Super rogue. I think that's... Ken, what else did you have to say? I know you've been trying to jump in. Oh, I just thought it was funny for two people who are completely on the opposite sides of things, being Otto and Damon, that uh, this one piece of information is kind of... Would push both of them to their end goals. Like, this would... uh, Ideally, this would have the king, you know, unair uh, Rhaenyra or supplement. I think is that the is that the phrase? I think yeah. uh, supplant. There you go. Appreciate you. Um, uh, him as or her as his heir, and at the same time, uh, Damon could get his wish to take his like second wife and kind of you know do what he wants to with Rhaenyra. And it's just funny to see two people who are complete opposites of each other, opposing each other the entire show, have one thing that would complete or have both of their goals accomplished and it still falls apart. Yeah. And I and I also think Allison still having Rhaenyra's back on some of that. She overhears it was a wild part because again, this this relationship is so complicated to me because it's been like they hate each other, but then they still have each other's back. And I guess that's kind of showing like true family where y'all get in arguments, but you still like love the person and you still go have their back. But her kind of sticking up for an ear, it does show a lot because it's like, Hey, I don't think she'd ever do that. And then, like I said, I always appreciate people who go straight to the point. And when she was like, when Maria was like, stop beating around the bush, she was like, you were fucking Damon last night in the whorehouse. And it was like, Oh shit. Like, damn. All right. I like this. Let's get to it because there's so many like when and previously we saw like we said uh, Otto just kind of like beating around the bush. He didn't want to say it, trying to be all like, "Oh, I don't want to report this to you," but he really wanted to report it to her because report it to him because again he thought it was going to help himself out. So that and then like you said, uh, Rainier just, I mean, she didn't necessarily lie. She just didn't really tell the whole truth. Like they didn't yeah, have yeah. sex, but I was kind of like finagling around. And that conversation with her and Allison, is that her name? Allison, yeah. 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 Allison. Yeah, Allison. Uh, I found it interesting because I felt that Allison was more upset that it, that it was with Damon mm. more than anything else. Because, because flashback to the first episode at the little thing when he gave her the... That what was, yeah. 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 No, no, no. Um, when they were at the oh the tournament when he gave that was the, given the yeah, favor yeah, yeah. At the yeah and like there was like a little vibe there yeah. between Allison and Damon 
So I feel like it's like a jealousy thing. Like, oh, you got to do that with him, and I got your dad. Like, mm. damn. <laughs> so, I think it, it so could. Thing, oh, go ahead, Travis. I was just gonna say I had necklace on the mind because that scene in particular is the first scene since she receives that necklace on the show. If you notice, she's not wearing it in the Godswood in that scene or moving forward after that night where he ran off and left her. Ah, okay. That's good eyes, good eyes. Also, if you're speaking, I know Cheeks brought up the cinematic sex scenes back and forth, but in that scene where Allison and Rainier are talking, it starts off with Allison on the high ground, right? Because she's coming out hot. And then throughout it, as Rainier kind of turns the ties, which great response by her never admit anything when someone says i know what you did you say whoa 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 what are you talking about <laughs> let them let yeah. them tell you what they know what they think they know so then you don't admit to something that they don't even are accusing you of yet so because I, I really thought i was like all right here's we're gonna see your skills here and when she's like i don't know what you're talking about and then as the as the conversation turned rainier turned and got to the high ground and that shot kind of showed rainier standing taller than allison i thought that was great kind of cinematography and how that was going back and forth too because Again, two friends just shooting the shit, being honest with each other. Not totally honest, a little bit of lying on your mother's grave. I mean, she knew that if she pulled that out with Allison's mother have died, Rainier's mother had died, that would seal the deal that Allison would at least believe everything she said. So, yeah, man, just all together, just great back and forth. But, yeah, Cheeks. I also thought of it like, did she, would she be mad because knowing, because she drops the, I know how you Targaryens like to get queer around here or whatever it is. If she knows if they get together will, and they have a kid, will that then supplement, supp, supplant? Is it su, supplant, Travis? Is that the word? Yeah, supplant, supplant. supplant her son as the rightful heir because then it would be two Targaryens. See, I don't even think she thinks about that stuff. Okay. It's, it's, yeah, she does, if it wasn't for her, her dad doing all this stuff, like she wouldn't be married right now. Okay. Because, like, I, I think that's also why she always sticks up for uh, Renaria because, like, at the end of the day, that's her girl. Like, ride or die. She doesn't see the big picture that her dad's trying to, you know, force upon her. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. If, if that was the, the, the case, like, I'm the queen. You're, like, you're going to do whatever I say. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I get what you're she, – she does go out of her way to just say, like, hey, like, you know what? I was – like, I'm trying to help you, and I think it was more of a, like you said, a genuine thing of, hey, I can't help you if you don't really, like, be honest with me. Because at the end of the day, she is kind of, you know, exit the king, and she is – she does have the ability to, you know, kind of sway his decision-making as we've seen over the past couple of episodes. Yeah. But she knows, but Rhaenyra also knows she can only be so honest. Like, she knows she can't let it get out that even if no one knows about Kristen, it can't even be news that she slept with Damon whatsoever. Or at least was, like, hugging him or whatever it was, kissing in the brothel. Because that, if she tells her that, then she's may not tell the king now, but at some point it's going to slip out. Like, oh, well, she really told me. So she just tells her enough, like, oh, we went out, we hit a couple taverns. Then man's got a little too drunk and he went off with another whore and so then I bounced and all that kind of stuff and people were making up stuff. So I really think we saw Rhaenyra's political agendas and, and skills kind of elevate in this episode as opposed to the last episode where she ran away from her problems inside the tent and went off into the woods to hide. 
one of my one of my favorite things about this episode, one of my favorite lines is when I think it's Viserys and Rhaenyra are talking and he tells her that the truth doesn't matter. It's only perception. perception yeah. And I think yeah. that that has some like threads through this episode. I'm kind of like a weird auto he's actually a good guy, he's trying to do what's right for the kingdom. And that just happened. The way it's framed is very like I think his brother may be more for like family gain in that. I think Otto may be trying to do what's right for the realm. I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. I don't think he's very long for this show, if I had to guess. But um, <laughs> but I, I think our perception of some of these characters are, are going to get twisted in the next few episodes, maybe too, as, as things devolve. Well, I think that's with everything, like in life, right? Like perception, like as you said, she went to the yeah. whorehouse, and no matter what it is, she we talked about it earlier. If she was a male, she could go out and father a bunch of bastards and no one would care. She could still be king, heir, whatever. But as a female, you have to stay pure. You have to stay this. And just it's just like, even though she didn't do anything, you, you're perceived, oh, you went to the whore. Well, I just was there to just uh, catch a show. Just learn a couple tips, you know. See something for when I do have a night of for myself and my future husband. We could get going on and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, and that is the Game of Thrones. Like, there's only so much truth you want to tell certain people because the whole truth may completely be your downfall. So, and even playing back into the scene where uh, they finally bring Damon into the, uh, I guess the the Great Hall right in front of the throne, yeah. and uh, that same just reoccurring theme of like the perception is uh, what, or excuse me, the truth doesn't matter. It's the perception. Because he, of course, doesn't deny, even though he knows for a fact that he didn't sleep with Rhaenyra. Yeah. But I guess almost like he just wants to test, like, does it really matter in the end? Like, like I said, we're Targaryens. We run this shit. Yeah. And then he, I mean, he says it. He says, what does it matter? Yeah, what is it? Uh, you're the dragon. Whatever word comes from your mouth is truth kind of thing. So, like, as Travis said earlier, they're, they're able – he goes and takes things. Whatever I say goes – and as and with Viserys, he tries to keep it as honest as possible, but it's you know killing him from the inside out almost of trying to be too loyal to certain people. I mean, so yeah, no, that's and and Damon just is back. We thought he changed at the beginning of the episode, but by the end of the episode, he's back to being banished again from King's Landing. Where he's going to go next, who knows? We know he's. I don't know if we're ever going to see his wife. His, was you know was married whoever he married because he just rips her apart all the time, all the time, bro. <laughs> so like the Twitter existed, they'd be divorced. Yeah, there's no way. <laughs> so, and then you know, the final what is it? Within well, yeah, we talked about finally as Teach brought up a little bit ago, the Saris and Rainier are finally having that true heart to heart. And breaking it down and being honest, because there's so many times when I feel like you watch this this series and any side, it's like if y'all would just talk, you could figure out a lot of this shit. And they finally did just talk, and it got the move to get Otto out. And then when Otto goes to talk to the king, Viserys talks about how his own pops died, and he was healthy. And so now we know Maesters are in this. And Otto has been scheming certain death poisons for a long time now. <laughs> it's back to our theory from episode one. We've yep. been talking about this old town maester. Yep. <laughs> the old town maesters are going to find their way. And he said his dad was healthy as, as can be. And then five days later, bam, 
pops up with rotted gut or whatever it was, and then Otto slides in. So I really think with Otto being from Hightower and that's Old Town and all that kind of stuff, that there's something there, and and we can even get to the final scene with the plan B. She's at a test, right? Like, if she takes it, then they know she went out and got busy and did something she shouldn't have. If she doesn't take it and she ends up pregnant, then they're going to find out she went out and did something she shouldn't have. So she's in the catch-22, however you dice it up. And I wonder if that was Otto's last little uh, test slash let's fuck this shit up is tell the mason to go send this and say it's from the king. Let's see what happens. Well, there was also like, there's also a thought that Otto might be motivated to present that to her because if let's say it is true that her and Damon did hook up and she does get pregnant, has a male heir, does that solidify her claim to the throne to talk about what Viserys was saying about how you need to have children to support your claim, blah, blah, blah. What, what does that happen? So it may be in old town's interest and in Otto's interest in his family to, you know, give her that if they think that is the case anyway. Yeah. I like how's the weight of, her already being an heir, plus having a child with another Targaryen, which is kind of like a three-on-one situation with Alicent's son. Like, seeing as Rhaenyra's already the heir, I feel like at that point, she kind of has the, I guess, the high ground, for lack of a better word or phrase, uh, in this scenario. Yeah. I, I just like I said, I just wonder she's damned as she does and damned as she don't kind of thing. It's the gamble you play. Like she may not be pregnant, but they just threw that little bit of doubt in there. Like, hey, if you went out and did something scandalous, because you know maybe you didn't sleep with Damon, but maybe you might have did something else. Let's just see what we can figure out. So another little chess or checkers move here at the end of that episode. Do you think we'll find out if she takes it? Ooh. I think we find out if she takes it, and I also think we find out who's really behind sending it. Okay. Well, and I'll say somebody is saying something at the wedding about her being unsullied or whatever you want to, whatever you want to, uh, spoiled or whatever it may be. Because there's in the in the coming up scenes, they show like a fight at the wedding, and you know good and well somebody there's people who love bringing up old shit. And they're going to be talking about, you're marrying a whore or whatever it is or whatever it may be. And they're going to have to, you know, throw swords. So to answer your question, do we think we find out, maybe not directly, but maybe through indirectly through another source somehow. I don't think we'll see an empty bottle there. Okay. One other thing, I thought it was really cool that we finally see, um, I know we've been talking about it, kind of each breakdown about the... Uh, the Valyrian still dagger. Yeah, I thought it was really cool that they finally gave us the um, uh, the significance of it that it's actually holds like the inscription of the uh, prophecy on the dagger itself. And now we know why it itself is so important because essentially, if you pass it down from ruler to ruler, even if uh, you know, let's say you forget what the prophecy is, like at least you always. That's kind of like their secret way of always knowing um, what their real purpose of the throne is. 
uh, based on the you know prophecy of the song of ice and fire, yeah. fire and ice. Which I also think is just so wild that they still talk about it, not knowing it's going to be like 150 years from then, right? Like <laughs> they're preparing yeah. and preparing, so it's almost like that crazy person down the street saying the end is coming. But it may not be for 150 years. It's not going to affect any of the people in this timeline right now. But, yeah, they're already preparing for it. And I guess 20 years before that or 40 years before that, he was already, like you said, inscribing that knife and all that kind of stuff too and putting this song of ice and fire in it. And then it's end up, you know, and we all know how it ends up in Game of Thrones. So, so It's just interesting that it's in Game of Thrones the whole time. Like, all the information that they need to know yeah. is in the knife the entire time. Yeah. And they just kind of, like, like, and obviously no one's thought process is like, hmm, maybe I should, like, keep this over, you know, like, a fire at a certain degrees and it'll reveal a message in Valyrian that none of us can read anyway. But, like, <laughs> it's just interesting to know that the whole time all the answers they needed were in the knife from episode, what, two? Was yeah. when uh, Brand's or the attempt on Brand's life is. Like, yeah, it's just funny to think about. Yeah, and and like you said, it kind of shows the failing of how strong the Targaryens were, and then how everything crumbled by the time it got to there. Where, like you said, you would hope every king would pass it down, but something happened along the way where it just the message got lost. And like I said, I think I really hope we kind of get all the way up to some point to where either the series ends. Right before Robert's Rebellion or Robert's Rebellion starts to kind of get us somewhere there. If not this series, something because they seem to be fine with the time jumping and how they're going to handle. I don't know. They, they got a season two, so where are they going to keep it going and how far will they kind of go to it and where will they stop? So now let's. I think I asked this last time. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. Go ahead. How do you guys feel about the time jumps? Because they do seem to be consistent. And, I mean, there were some time jumps in Game of Thrones, but not to the extent of which we, or what we're experiencing in this show. But I feel like it's, like, every episode, there's some level of, you know, time jump that's a significant amount of time. Uh, I personally I think like it. You like, like it? it. Good. Yeah. Because yeah. it makes it an easier watch. Because I know, so, Rebecca hasn't seen Game of Thrones. Oh, it seems like such a daunting task to go back, start from the beginning, and it's like, okay, pay attention because all these details, they just add up, add up, season after season, and then at the end, it's just like, up, oh, we're going to skip 20 years. Up, oh, we're going to skip another 15. So, like, with, with this, it's like, you know, one to four-year jumps so far. Yeah. So, yeah. It's... it's it's far enough to where the story is moving on, but not too far to where you're like, I wonder what happened then, you know? So I'm, I'm a fan of it. I think they do a good job of connecting it to, like, it's very clear, like, this is what we end an episode, and then there's always some type of dialogue that's like, okay, that means it's been this amount of time, whether it's giving somebody's age or mentioning, like, they've been gone a certain amount of time. And so I think it's it's not like lost. It's very easy to follow so far anyway. The only thing that trips me up about it, and I like it too, I like the time jumps, but I forget the the gentleman who uh Viserys wants Renera to marry. Lamar? But I think an episode Yeah, he's like a kid oh, in yeah. that one episode. Then the next one he's uh, a full ass human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone else 
thing. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely hit the growth spurt because he was like, like he looked like he was like nine and then he was like 25 in that four-year yeah. four growth spurt. Yeah, I feel you on that. I'll tell you this. It doesn't bother me now. To me, I think once we go to two different actresses and see how they play off with the other ones, then I'll be able to give you a full-on answer because there was something cool about Game of Thrones is, is keeping the same actors and actresses throughout the whole eight seasons just because, you know, you, you kind of form a, a weird bond of liking them or disliking them. And, you know, I mean, Ramsey Bolton you hated because he was just a terrible human and you loved John and you loved Daenerys and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, uh... But Rebecca, you need to go ahead and get on that. Fire that up, man. You could you could burn a whole day. Next time it snows up there and you ain't gotta go to work, you could watch a whole season one in one day. Just start that thing crispy ten AM. I think Cam's <laughs> watched it through three or four times since it's been over. Oh, Game of Thrones? Yeah. Game of Thrones is weirdly like a comfort show for me now. Like I'll be like, oh, I need to like do this like work. Let me just throw Game of Thrones on in the background. <laughs> Some people like The Office. I like Game of Thrones. That's fair. I do the same thing. I'm not Game of Thrones, but I watch the same. Your Game of Thrones is my One Tree Hill. I can watch. I've watched that like seven times. <laughs> so, do we have any predictions on what's going to happen? Next episode. Besides, Somebody, you know, uh, someone's die. I, I definitely. I don't know. I didn't freeze the frame on the king, but the king looks like his whole left arm is just disgustingly rotted. Because we've really only had like one death, and this is very un Game of Thrones like. Yeah, I think King's gonna. You know, we 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 hint at Otto leaving, and telling Allison, "Hey, prepare your son to be the king." And also, quick tidbit, have y'all seen the actor playing the, an older Aegon? No? no. My, man, my, my man gives off Joffrey vibes, man. He got some creepy, he looks like a creepy Targaryen Joffrey. Like, you'll go hit the Google and find it out, but, ooh, he it, it looks like he's about to be a good antagonist for Rhaenyra here, because I think that's going to be who's battling over this throne once the dad dies, but... Yeah, I mean, death-wise, King's coming. I don't know about... I think Otto's going to get out of there knowing, you know, shit's about to pop off and he ain't safe anymore. But wedding is coming up. And there's never a wedding that'll ever top the Red Wedding. Rebecca, you need to go back and just watch Game of Thrones just to get your heart ripped out from that episode. But, you know, something... Yeah, something big besides a King dying is definitely... Because we got to get more tension between Rhaenyra and Allison too. Yeah, so I think what's going to happen is you're just going to end up seeing the fraction of, like fractioning of these like powers that have been loosely held together, and Targaryens and the Valerians will consolidate, and then eventually you end up because it is going to be like an it feels like it's setting up to be like Alicent and B. Rhaenyra, yeah, like type yeah. standoff. Even if uh, Aegon is the you know successor in that case, but it really seems to be breaking that way, and I think. I think they're gonna have fireworks in store. No idea what it is. I don't think it could be red wedding level. Yeah. But like, I think we're gonna like look around after this episode and be like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're coming up on episode five halfway through, so I think it's gonna set up that back half. And to think of it too, if, Al- if the king dies and Allison's there with just her kids, and then you've got uh, Lenor Valerian and Rhaenyra getting married, two dragon riders. Viserys don't even ride a dragon. He ain't teaching his queen to ride no dragon. 
So if you if she's gonna feel like she's gonna be backed in the corner with you know you got two dragon wires if they eventually have kids they're gonna be able to ride dragons they could eventually come in and just be like all right let's get it going and just start flaming people and everyone's gonna bow to them so I think that's gonna be an interesting take as well of how they're gonna handle that scenario prediction I think Sir Kristen Cole kills somebody not because it's his like duty but because someone comes up near in a way. And he's going to have to somehow balance, like, obviously he's going to have some feelings towards her, but he also, like, by duty, he has to, like, proceed over her being but married. And- how, how do we say this, though? Once she gets married, he's still in the King's Guard. He's going to be protecting Allison. Hmm. So my man's going to have to stay and yeah, then have to like- go against Rhaenyra if she comes at the throne because he's in the King's Guard. So I think that might be a certain little antagonist. They sealed the deal on this past this this episode. What happens when she goes off and has to live? She's not going to be living at. I guess she's going to live at Dragonstone, maybe. That's where the heirs should live. Yes, I guess, theoretically, right? So yeah. So if she's at Dragonstone and he's over there at King's Landing, she'll have her own, I guess, army or guards, but he's going to have to go against her. And I think that may be some wild, you know, tensions as well added to the fire. Man, I think Chris and Cole could either like be in the show for a few more seasons and be kind of one of those long running, like supporting characters or he could just die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like, could definitely see it going. Either yes. Way. That would be like the heart rip out, like thing that could like throw a, a wrench into Rhaenyra's character. Right. Yes. Like kind of emotional, like suddenly he's gone. So. Or or like if he has to step up and he chooses Allison's side and she's mm-hmm. like, oh shit, we've been hanging yeah. for 15 years. We even did the dirty and now you're going to protect her. I mean, it's his oath, but he can't really come out and like turn sides because then his whole family will probably get executed. So yeah, how is that going to, and then yeah, is she going to have to kill him? Is she gonna be the one that has to has to you know stab him per se or, or flame him with her dragon to be determined? I don't know. We haven't read the book, so we don't know. And that's the other thing in those comment sections. People start saying some wild things. You go like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So yeah, there's no kind of spoiler warning at like the top of the comment. Like, hey, spoiler, just in case. Like, nah, they get right into that. Yeah, shit. yeah. The, the, the one, I, the one, I, the one I saw today, just because I had it semi spoiled, was. I guess the daughter, Helena Targaryen, they were like, someone just put, not Helena's first scene in front of a window. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh. I saw that too, and I was like, oh. Oh, damn. We got, we got Tom in 2.0, I guess, or something's going to happen. So I was like, damn. Yeah, like, what's going on? <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen there, but it sounds like a window and Helena in the future are not going to be good for Helena Targaryen. So, hmm. But see, it's now every time I see a window, I'm gonna be concerned. Like, yep. <laughs> like, <is it> <laughs> yeah, and I really think we're gonna get on a proportion of Cersei levels of kids. Like that's all she's get. Like if Al- if when Viserys dies, all Allison's gonna have is her kids, right? Because her dad's gonna be old as shit too, and who knows where he's gonna be. And so then she's gonna get super protected, but she's gonna also have to start trying to marry them off to grow the house stronger. And use them as transactions, as Cheeks was brought up earlier this in the episode. So, how's that going to be while also potentially getting hitmen coming after her as well? So, who knows? 
All right. Anybody got any uh, final final words, final thoughts? Uh, do we think we see by time next episode uh, any idea who may be the new hand? Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Um. Yes. Because I think he'll have a hand by the time the wedding hits, right? Like, he'd want to be tidied up and punctual by the time he's showing up to the wedding. I think. I'm trying to... Yeah, I think so, too. I think his name's escaping me. The guy who actually seems like a decent person on his council. Oh, the strong. Strong. Yeah, Lionel. Yeah, Yeah, Lionel, yeah. I think that'd be a cool replacement, but I... Because I don't... I can't think of any other character unless they pull somebody that we haven't been introduced to that would make that replacement right now in a way that was fulfilling to me. Yeah. He, yeah, he seems to be the only character thus far who doesn't act in his own self-interest, kind of like in the last episode where um, Viserys tried to get ahead of the situation. was like, oh, you just want me to like marry my daughter to your son or your brother. I can't remember which one it was. And he was like, actually, no. Nah, like, what makes the most sense is what's in, ironically about to happen. Um, you know, marrying her to Lenor. Yeah. And, yeah, I think I misspoke last episode. I thought that was his brothers, but those are actually his two sons. The yeah, one, got, the gotcha, one, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, the one with the club foot and then the one that was, like, skinning the squirrel when she came back. Those are his two sons. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And so... It's like he almost indirectly took his advice. Like, he didn't take his advice because he respected it. Uh, he took his advice because it was just, like, the best idea. And uh, all the situations that happened in this episode just led to that actually happening. Like, it kind of forced his hand. But at the end of the day, it was still him that gave him the advice to uh, marry her to the Valerian house. Yeah. Yeah. And I also appreciate his character where, like you said, he's not necessarily trying to, like, strengthen his house he's just doing the duty of what he's supposed to do he's staying in his lane offering him hey this is probably the best way to keep everybody at bay and to keep everything going smoothly while let me just like i'm staying in enough way where no one wants to come after me and fire me or chop me up put me on a chopping block so you know it is it is interesting to see a character like that where he's not putting his his best interest in front of the realm's best interest for sure yeah all right. The only thing I got left is our uh, pick 'em top ten this Woo-woo. week. Uh, quarter and first, Cheeks in second place, Levi in third, Tyler Kikaley fourth, Nate fifth, Josh Hurley sixth, Paris seventh, some person named Tully Sands eighth, Danielle ninth, and then all favorites tenth. I'm sitting. I had a horrible week, but we drop our two lowest scores. So you know, until week four about hits, then we really get to see where the the, the the heavy hitters are at, so we got so, some time so to build would up. You like to, would you like to hop in there then? Oh, you can still hop in. Oh, okay. You just can't. You just know you only have one. Now that you have a zero week, you only got one more week to play with where you that's can't miss it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I think I've texted you the info, so you should be able to join it. I can retext yeah, it to you again. So, but yeah. All right. Well, any so any more final thoughts, and then Survivor starts next week. So get your picks in. Rebecca, Cheeks, Cam, Travis, do you want to join our Survivor Fantasy game? Yeah, yeah. Throw me in there. All right. I'll send you the info as well. So it's really simple. You just pick six people who you think will win and one person you think is going to be voted out first, and I do all the math and see who wins at the end. So it's a fun little fun little game to play. All, all right. right. 
Well, if no one has anything else, I appreciate y'all stopping through. And uh, let's see, uh, Rebecca, how do we end the podcast? I know the answer to this. Uh-oh, Cheeks. Oh, shit. Cheeks. <laughs> <laughs>